0: Today's local FM radio station is run by a single competent person, three part timers, and a million salespeople who are convincing the local pizza joint that purchasing a commercial on the Ryan Seacrest Afternoon Radio Jungle Gym crazy show is the only way their business can survive. Meanwhile, Pandora, Spotify, and Sirius XM are eating fm radio's lunch this is dumb people with terrible ideas i'm your host eric gray we got to close it out that's it for the wolfman jack show for tonight be back again tomorrow night right eyed and bushy tail gonna suck it to you tomorrow baby I move your picture, I move your picture, from my wall, from my wall, I present, and I replace them, both large and small, both large and small. There was a time when the radio airwaves were filled with big personalities. Wolfman Jack, Don Imus, larger than life voices that played non-stop bangers from legendary radio studios. Murray the K, Dick Clark, all voices that curated their own playlists. Exposing the world to new artists like the Beatles and Elvis, Hotel California. Man, all the good shit from the time prior to the dinosaurs that made the world what it is today. Now we have local radio stations that sound like every other radio station in the country because every city has the same playlist with 25 minutes of commercials crammed between auto-tuned vocals over whack beats that sound like a cinder block tumbling in a clothes dryer. Two things caused this, the first, was the Payola scandal from the 1960s. Well, gang, uh, thank you. Before we leave uh, tonight, we'd like to say uh, special thanks. We don't have much time to thank everybody, and especially to our friends in the music business and to our wonderful friends here and all of you out there for your great loyalty. This is not goodbye. It's just good night, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. <laughs> In 1960, Alan Freed, one of history's most legendary boss jocks, was indicted for the unforgivable sin of accepting $2,500 from a record company to play their records. Now, this is exactly like paying Facebook for ads to make certain people listen to your record, or like paying TikTok influencers to make certain that people listen to your record, Or like paying a billboard company to make certain that people listen to your record. But because it was one guy, instead of a corporation, it was considered bribery. The government actually created a term for it, payola, which sounds like a truly horrible thing. In actuality, it's just a rounding error in some record company's marketing budget. And while it's weird to consider this a bribe, and even weirder to consider this a criminal offense, Alan Freed, a disc jockey of considerable fame and talent, was stuck in the criminal justice system tighter than a hair in an oven-baked biscuit. This DJ paid a small fine for accepting the $2,500, found it difficult to remain employed after this made-up scandal, and drank himself to death five years later. Yet, the money didn't stop flowing, oh no. It just stopped flowing to the guys behind the microphone. Instead, a whole flurry of rules and regulations were passed to make certain that if there was any money to be had in the record promotion business, it would go to the bosses of the radio station instead. Through a series of legal loopholes, indie promoters became an important part of the radio business. Since it was now bribery to pay a DJ to play a record, music companies instead paid a third party independent promoter, an indie, not affiliated with any radio station whatsoever, and then those independent promoters paid the radio station. If it was bribery before, and it wasn't, it was still certainly bribery afterwards. But legal now, because instead of two participants, now there were three. And this somehow made it all legal. Imagine if you had been counseled that sex was a sin, but a three-way was completely fine. And indie promoters rarely paid cold, hard cash. No, they, instead they, they sent their latest boy band to do a special concert for the radio station. Or they sent a box of branded t-shirts for station giveaways. With DJs like Alan Freed, That money funneled its way through the economy by going into the pocket of a single working class citizen, a local guy in tune with the local musical tastes and a resident of the local community of which he was employed. Through indie promotion, the t-shirts or boy band appearances simply replaced the radio station's promotional budget allowing that budget item to be zeroed out and the savings pocketed by the executives. Because as the saying goes, one is the loneliest number. It takes two to tango and three to circumvent bullshit legislation that fucks over the entire local radio and music industry. Alan Freed drank himself to death because of $2,500. Meanwhile, radio station executives, people you've never heard of, began relaxing on the rim of their own swimming pool filled with gold doubloons, using the same tactic that Alan Freed was hammered for. But this time it was filtered through an intermediary which made it legal. Again, proving that if there is one thing that the U.S. government and big business can agree on, is that it's a fucking disaster if a 40-hour-a-week working stiff gets a taste of the good life. Judas Priest on the way. Some slaughter. White Snake. Melissa Etheridge. Motley Crue. And we're gonna kick it off with you. Gotta know this one. It's a crazy drink. In the early 1990s, radio was thriving. The best music by the best musicians were being played on the radio, perhaps for the last time ever. The east-west hip-hop beef raised the art form to new levels. Meanwhile, rock became grunge. And Garth Brooks was killing it in country. There was a lot of good stuff. Michael Jackson, Nirvana, Tupac, Soundgarden, The Stones and Aerosmith, Prince, Snoop, Dre, Dixie Chicks. Oh my. Local radio stations programmed by local people had tailored each station to their own communities. But back then, local artists could still make it on the air. Program directors took chances on fresh faces, new sounds, gave groundbreaking bands a chance to fail or succeed entirely on their own merits, while letting the local audience decide. Every station sounded different because it was. Then, America's horniest president, Bill Clinton, skipped his afternoon blowjob to sign the Telecommunications Act of 1996. The second thing that caused FM radio to spiral into oblivion. This law is truly revolutionary legislation that will bring the future to our doorstep. This historic legislation, in my way of thinking, really embodies what we ought to be about as a country and what we ought to be about in this city. It clearly enables the age of possibility in America to expand. Prior to the Telecommunications Act of 1996, companies were limited to how many stations they could own in a market and how many stations they could own nationwide. Clear Channel in 1996 owned 40 stations nationally. That was the limit. The 1996 Telecom Act deregulated the market and relaxed the ownership caps. So that Clear Channel, only six years later, owned 1,200 stations nationally. And this buying spree cost Clear Channel a lot of money. So they looked toward cutting costs. Suddenly, that local guy in Portland who programmed the local radio station to Portland's unique musical taste of banjos and pan flutes was fired and replaced by one creepy weirdo in Texas who chose all of the music for Clear Channel stations nationwide. And it's not just Clear Channel, it was Citadel and Sinclair and Radio One and Intercom and Cumulus, it was like five or six companies, suddenly controlled every single radio station in the United States that's when every radio station started to sound the same. In 1997, this one creepy weirdo decided that ska and horns were a thing. So suddenly the radio had rock music with horns in it. In 1999, this one creepy weirdo believed that rock and rap fusion was a thing. So suddenly Kid Rock and Limp Bizkit were everywhere in 2003 the dixie chick said something mean about george w bush hurting his fifis and this one creepy weirdo in texas removed all of the dixie chick songs about that same time janet jackson popped out her titty in the super bowl and janet jackson's songs were removed too and if it is an exaggeration to blame it all on a single, Texas creepy weirdo numnut, it's not an exaggeration by much. The Clear Channel rock stations today are programmed nationally by a single person. The Intercom country stations are programmed nationally by a single person. The Cumulus pop stations are programmed nationally by a single person. This costs thousands of jobs, as local decision-makers, DJs like Alan Freed, those folks who were deeply ingrained in their local community's musical scene, they were replaced by a dude 2,000 miles away. Indie promoters who could now pay radio stations directly to play records, now only had to pay one single guy to be on nearly every radio station in the country. So yeah, Alan Freed, blackballed in the industry, drank himself to death over 2,500 bucks, but the creepy weirdos in business suits making musical decisions for FM radio stations coast to coast, today they're making bank and they ain't missing a single hour of sleep over it. And if these facts somehow get out into the regular public's knowledge, Perhaps garnering you bad press. Just change your company's name to iHeartMedia or Odyssey, and no one will remember the difference. Nonetheless, we're here in the studio. It's This is the uh, recording studio, and what we do here is we voice track. If you don't know what voice tracking is, it's one of the tricks of radio, and... It makes us sound like we're really here in the studio when we're really out golfing, really at home, doing a whole lot of nothing. So I'm going to show you how that works, okay? Once the radio industry discovered centralized programming, they discovered centralized DJing. This is when your local radio DJ is fired and replaced by a person with a good voice 2,000 miles away. And this is called voice tracking, but it also includes syndication. Ryan Seacrest's show is on 130 radio stations worldwide in the same day. This replaces about 400 local jobs, people in your local communities that have lost their employment. Delilah had about 170 stations. The Breakfast Club has nearly 100. Steve Harvey has over 100. Now we're talking like 1,000 local DJ jobs, like Wolfman Jack or Dick Clark, that were replaced or, more likely, never found their way into broadcasting because there was no entry point. So if your music all sounds the same and the personalities are all the same, who works at your local radio station. Three dozen ad salespeople, a top-heavy shit-ton of managers and VPs and executives with titles, and one program director who works 16 hours a day making 40,000 a year, and has no say in the hiring of the DJs, no say in the choosing of the music, no control over any promotions, really except for the occasional ability to fart out a free Domino's pizza once every weekend to caller number 10. The larger-than-life personalities, gone. They're at SiriusXM, or on YouTube, or Pandora, or Spotify, or maybe even in podcasting. The latest music, really great shit from great bands. Same thing, boss, they're elsewhere. This flattening of diversity, making every radio station sound the same, makes everything sound safe and stale. It's hours of artists that never seem to get better and their songs never quite get any better. And everything just seems to always be going wrong. Bands and singers and musicians who make our ears ring from time to time. But only become more irritating until you can't hear anything else. Besides the cacophony surrounding them, and you finally say, Where the fuck on this radio dial can I just listen to a goddamn Black Keys song? Oh, so they're not really looking for a station. They're just looking for a particular song. For a particular song, exactly. That's what the radio people are assuming. Huh. Is that they're just listening for that song. And so. If they, don't, if they push the button, the scan button, and they land on a station, and it's not playing the song they wanna hear, they're gonna push that button again until they find that song. So it behooves radio stations to play the same songs. With the Paola scandal and the Telecom Act of 1996, the corporatocracy of capitalist sausage making was laid bare. These legal loopholes formed like Voltron to jerk money from the hands of local artists, local personalities, who super served their local communities. This process has made breaking your song on a radio station about as difficult as breaking into the Oval Office in an Osama Bin Laden costume. The connections necessary to engage with the music industry at this level have been blocked by gatekeepers responsible for running the few remaining media companies with any sway. Because there are like 10 gatekeepers that oversee nearly every American radio station. And Paola, it still happens. That Hawaii vacation that your local radio station gives away to its listeners, it's paid for by a record company in exchange for playing a song. That $1,000 daily cash giveaway. Well, that's a national contest. You're not competing to be the 20th caller in your city. You're competing to be the 20th caller nationwide. Again, because of centralized programming. Paid for by record companies in exchange for playing a song. And that money replaces the radio station's promotional budget, sure. But there's also cold, hard cash being delivered to the folks who control the national playlist. It's just more legal now. Filtered through an indie promoter as an intermediary between the record company and the radio station. WAPI-FM, Birmingham. Wait, wrong station. The golden age of radio is gone. In its place are streaming apps and Wi-Fi connected cars that allow each consumer to find the song they want, when they want it, and also the air personality they want, when they want it. It allows you to listen to this podcast, sure, but also Motley Crue and Common and Katy Perry at any time with the flick of just a few buttons. But it wouldn't be necessary if local radio stations hadn't become greedy, cheap, and corrupt. Nationwide, all at the same time. Hey, uh, Season 2, Episode 2, Dumb People with Terrible Ideas, is over, Chief. I hope you enjoyed this episode on FM Terrestrial Radio. This podcast is produced and performed by Eric Gray co-written by tj small check out tj's medium page and fiber page for some of his truly excellent writing links to his work are in the show notes and if you want more information on anything really or to contact me directly go to ericexplains.com. explains.com that's eric explains.com thanks for listening